This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Good day, folks. This is your friend Dennis Connor coming to you with a uh, short podcast today, but with a new idea. And uh, thank you to the Harrington Brothers and the Specialty Produce Network. I have one of their producers, Danielle, here, who's going to help me w- with uh, some of the questions from the audience, which I'm going to try to, to answer, do my best. hope I'm not too awkward with them. I, I did uh, have uh, some small bit of news, but uh, not, not, nothing earth-shattering. The, the hot rum in San Diego has started, the most popular series of the year. And uh, some of the best sailors we have in town prevailed with Bill Hardesty winning and Eric Champagne and the uh, Spriggs with uh, Greg Stewart coming in the front. But the big news for me was uh, with our little menace, uh, we managed to uh, beat all the Class A boats. And so we're sitting in pretty good shape with the first in class, eighth overall in the hot rum. And if things go our way, we could uh, come in with a good result. But it's hard for a small boat uh, in the middle of the class uh, to uh, ever come good. It's either a small boat that wins, like Benny Mitchell, or a big boat, uh, like Stark Raving Mad, or a bad pack, a big boat in the back that that wins. So we're in the middle, but we got a little luck on our side and sailed well, and right now we're looking forward to the next race in two weeks. So that's it here on the uh, local uh, local scene. Of course, uh, Willem Van Way on the international scene won another world championship. So we're going to try to get him out on the menace to uh, help us out to keep keep up with all these uh, big shots. So uh, Roger Harrington at the Specialty Produce uh, Network came up with the idea of, Dennis, we get questions all the time uh, when you're doing your podcast. Why don't we do a, a live questionnaire and uh, if with maybe a little prize, you give him a Stars and Stripes hat or a ride on the America to watch the whales as uh, an incentive for people to call in, and if their question is selected, then uh, they'll win a small prize. So, uh, Danielle, uh, why don't we uh, see how this goes, and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll come up with something that people can understand. And uh, Are you ready to uh, give uh, my first question a shot? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me do the questions for you. So our first question is from Hannah. She says, if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? If you want to be a world champion or uh, do really well, the first thing you need is to you have to enjoy it. You have to really want to get out there, come home from school, can't wait to get down to the boat and see Steve Hunt and learn how to sail. But if, you, if you're being forced to do it, your parents are force-feeding you, you have to do this, we're going to the Yacht Club for sailing lessons, and you're not enjoying it, uh, you're, you're never going to get there. You'll learn how to sail. You'll be able to enjoy it in college and later in life, but you, you probably won't uh, be a world championship. So it has to be the love of uh, wanting to compete and being out there on your own, making your own decisions, and enjoying the water uh, for a successful career. Perfect. Our next question comes from Alexander. He says, what do you think about nowadays ocean race and its development? Well, ocean racing has gone down in popularity as the demands of life have increased. 
It used to be you could go down to the yacht club and spend the weekend out on the ocean uh, for, but now you have the pressures of taking your mother-in-law to the uh, dentist, uh, helping out around the house, doing the household chores, getting the kids to their uh, various activities. You can't just spend all that time. So the local ocean racing scene is really deceased. You can have a, a day race, so people are happy to spend all day uh, around the Coronado Islands or around Fastnet uh, from from Ireland. But uh, the, the, uh, what we thought of in the old days as ocean racing is gone. It's now all professionals trying to set records around the world with their trimaran, catamaran, or the mini transact in uh, Europe uh, from A to B with a, a small limited crew, the challenges of the ocean. But at the uh, local level, the PHRF level, Pretty much the only races, the ocean races that are left are the big ones. We have the Sydney Hobart race uh, coming up, but it won't be with the wild oats who broke their mast two days ago. So they have a bit of work to go to uh, get ready for that race at Christmas time. But you still have the big races, the uh, Sydney Hobart, the Fastnet, Bermuda come to mind that will attract uh, big fleets and people prepare for them all year. But the local ocean racing Basically gone, not so much from the standpoint of money, but just the time involved, getting your crew, getting people that can take the whole weekend off, getting to the boat, getting it uh, put away at the end. So uh, pretty much the demise of local ocean, uh, long-distance ocean or medium-distance ocean races uh, other than the uh, big events like Puerto Vallarta from San Diego or uh, Long Beach to Cabo type uh, deal. Why I forgot to mention, always a big uh, deal for West Coast boats. And congratulations to uh, Piwacket for uh, their dramatic res- rescue in the last uh, Hawaii uh, Honolulu race where they saved John Sangmaster and the crew of OEX uh, from a, what could have been a terrible uh, sinking in the Pacific. So what's, uh, what, uh, what's the next question, Danielle? The, the next question is from Matthew. He says, we know where the SNS 12s are now, but Liberty is a different story. Do you know what happened to the Liberty after you? Well, uh, Liberty uh, was sold to the Japanese after, and uh, had some degree of notoriety, went, went to the uh, Tokyo Bay area. I understood that they were going to do some local uh, charter work, sunset crews, exciting tour, but uh, that would have been 20, 25 years ago. So to find the Liberty would be a chore, and I, I would start in uh, Tokyo Bay, but I have no idea. Uh, what. You better speak Japanese because there's going to be a lot of, <laughs> lot of homework involved. Thank you. Uh, the next question is from James. He says, if the opportunity was there, would you return to the helm of the new AC Cup boats? Well, I'm almost 80 years old, and I'm not getting around like I used to, and it's a very physical sport. Uh, James Spithill spends a lot of time in that gym. You should, he's a physical uh, specimen. So staying in shape, doing the exercise, the, 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 the whole game has changed. It's, uh, it's not a tactical game. It's more an analytical game with the computers involved. I'm not the guy for this. I'm more of a seat-of-the-pants uh, sailor that checked the line, which way to go, get their time on distance, and now they have a computer that gives you a countdown to the start. You don't even have to look at the line. You've got the two dials, one that says 30 seconds to go, 29 seconds away, so you can take it from there. 
but it's all computer-driven. The foils are computer-driven. Uh, uh, we're not far from having a robot sail the boat uh, from from above faster than uh, a helmsman. You know, I could I could see that in our future uh, far more than going back to a monohull like a 12-meter. Okay, next question is from John. He says, do you and Sir Michael Fay exchange Christmas cards? Uh, that's a very <laughs> good question. No, I, I think uh, Michael Fay did a really good job for New Zealand and a very smart guy. And uh, he and his attorney uh, outfoxed the Americans uh, in 1988 when they came up with the idea of racing the big boat uh, against a defender that wasn't ready. Michael Fay's very obviously a uh, very, very intelligent guy. He made a lot of money in the banking business and has moved to England. But I, I don't have the opportunity to get to London much or wherever he is. So I, w- I have no way for our our flags to cross. But I have a lot of respect for Michael Fay and the job he did in the America's Cup. I think he helped put New Zealand sailing on the map. And I was the uh, one of the very first supporters he uh, he asked to help him get his campaign started. And I was the key you know, speaker when they when they launched the KC uh, three and five in in New Zealand, so I've enjoyed a uh, not a close personal friend, but very cordial, and I have all the respect in the world for for Michael and obviously the culture that he has created in New Zealand. Fantastic, fantastic people and wonderful sailors. Best best sailors in the world, man for man, woman for woman in in the world. They're coming from New Zealand, and that, that's why they've uh, had so much success in the America's Cup and other other events. Perfect. So our next question is from Charlie. It's actually a two-part question. The first part is, how many boats do you own? And the mm-hmm. second part is, what's your favorite campaign? Well, I've, uh, in the past, I've had uh, a, lot, a lot of boats. I think I've had 60 boats tied up in the uh, slips at the San Diego Yacht Club in the in – the, uh, 70 years I've been a member there. So I've had a lot of boats, but I'm, I'm cutting down now. It's uh, uh, been a little harder to get around health-wise. I hurt my back and my ankle, so I don't to enjoy the walks, uh, long walks to the boats. But I do have a beautiful Sparkman and Stevens-type uh, cruiser racer at the San Diego Yacht Club, wooden, uh, 40 years old but in great shape that people – like to come and have a drink aboard and, and go for a casual sail. So that would be the Splendor. She's kind of the flagship of the fleet at this point. And uh, if you want if you want a uh, beautiful 50-foot wooden sloop, uh, uh, I would let her go. I would part with her for the uh, right price. But she's in great shape, knew everything from the bottom to the top, uh, refrigeration to the uh, electronics. Uh, she's she's a great boat. So that's that's my kind of flagship of the fleet, Splendor, at the San Diego Yacht Club. The boat I really like, I think the best sailing boat I've ever, ever really had is the uh, Manus. It's a Rykel Pew 43, meticulously built in, in uh, with the help of uh, some people in Michigan. Just incredibly uh Amount of attention, for instance, to the lead in the bilge. They 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 made a mold of the bilge and then made a lead casting out of that mold, so it fits in there perfect. So the Nelson Merrick Forty Three, the Menace, we call her Menace Twenty Four. She wins a lot of local races. The competition is not the best, but still adequate for us, and we've really enjoyed it. 
The steering is just incredibly good. So that's one of the best boats I've I've ever owned, along with the uh, Reichel Pew 50-footer that is now Blue Blazes. It was the Stars and Stripes. It was built by Hassel Plotner in South Africa and won the the uh, first race across to Brazil she ever went in. And she's turned out to be a great boat, not only for me, but for Dennis Pinnell. I know he loves the boat. Still competitive. It's called, you know, with her PHRF rating, it's not, not a great rating. But the boat sails well in all conditions. So those are the uh, top three boats that uh, I've really enjoyed other than some of the America's Cup boats. You you don't fall in love with them, but you, you, you like them, especially if they're fast. So the Stars and Stripes we won with in, in uh, Perth. Uh, was uh, dominant, so she's she's my my favorite twelve meter, and uh, we'd have to go on for hours to talk about all the others. But fortunately for me, had awful lot of good boats, and uh, it's been a wonderful life. So, for the second part of the question, what was your favorite campaign? Wow, well, we enjoyed uh, racing in the SORC in the mid seventies uh, and eighties. A hundred boats uh, down in Florida in five races to Havana, Cuba, around St. Petersburg, to Fort Lauderdale, across the Atlantic to Nassau. Uh, very competitive people, generally from the Midwest or the Northeast, bringing their boats there to get out of the winter. But there was, these guys were business icons. Jesse Phillips, uh, uh, Phillips Industry uh, typified them, and they came there with their uh, intense awareness of, of business and putting a boat together and wanted to win. So it was uh, very satisfying to take a Peterson 35 Stinger and uh, compete in the SORC 1975. We uh, had a big enough lead. We didn't have to sail the last race at the Nassau Cup and uh, just completely dominated, thanks uh, mainly in part to the Doug Peterson, very good uh, offshoot of gumboots, a one-tonner. So with the help of Carl Eichenlaub and Doug Peterson and a good crew, yeah, it was a, a great time. It was had by all. I met, ran into Tom Whitten, Reeves Potts, Lexi Gehagen, a lot of lifetime friends down in the uh, SORC, uh, basically centered around Miami. Perfect. So your next question is from Ben. He's asking if you're going to be attending the next America's Cup. Well, the best way to watch the Cup will be on TV. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna be I'm not gonna be far from a, a TV and I'll hear the the, the announcers uh, analyzing how far they have to go to the ley line or uh, wh- uh, how far is it from the volcano. So the that that would be a very very good way to watch. The another good way to watch would be to have the TV aboard a yacht. So if you had Alan Drinkrow that could take you out there on his new catamaran and get uh, get around quickly with no wake get to the weather mark as fast as anyone, uh, that would be the, the uh, ideal way to do it. You, you have a nice, uh, fast launch with the TV set up so you could watch the race live, watch the start, watch any incidents. Uh, if there's going to be uh, any crashes, which hard to believe there's not going to be some incident that will come up, uh, be uh, interesting to be part of it. And I'm sure that I'll have an opportunity to entertain some folks on their uh, party boats or their their yachts, if, if uh, IBM or, or Hewitt Packard uh, take a group to watch the races, they might invite Dennis to come and give a little color color commentary uh, while I'm enjoying the races. So maybe I'll make it a dollar or two while I'm down there 
uh, entertaining people with some stories like what we're talking about now. So I, I, I think you'll see me in Auckland. And I love the New Zealanders, Luke Wigglesworth, and the folks there in the eastern suburb, Murray Ross. Wonderful, wonderful people. And, of course, Alan and Margaret Drinkrow, they're the best. Okay, TJ wants to know when the last time was that you cooked up a huge pot of chili. Uh, <laughs> TJ Ferrati, he was part of our design team, and he he liked that chili. Uh, <laughs> I I have a good chili recipe, but it's not as popular now because there's so many vegans in the world. <laughs> I don't think you'd be eating it, Danielle. And <laughs> Sorry. I don't think I don't think Roger Harrington he'd be turning. He, he five years ago he might have had a little bite of it, but now he'd turn his nose up that and. Eat a piece of kale instead. <laughs> so the world's changed, and the demand for the, uh, uh, the the chili is not as much as it was. I still know the recipe, and even the meatloaf, the gobbler sandwiches, uh, uh, are more popular with the, the turkey cranberry uh, on Russian rye is a, a better choice than the chili and the meatloaf. So things you have to keep up with the times now, you know. <laughs> you, you can leave a horse, lead a horse to water, but you can't make her drink. Well, we'll have to share with you our vegan chili recipe then. <laughs> uh, Robert wants to know, in 1988, you sailed the fixed wing. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer canvas or mylar wings? Well, actually, the, the, the soft sail, as we call it, uh, with the traditional uh, uh, Kevlar, mylar, plastic uh, sail was an easier boat to uh, sail, less uh, very forgiving, and probably would have been uh, a very good choice to defend the cup with. But we used the hard sail of the wing for marketing reasons. People were more interested in, what is this sail? It's a fixed sail with uh, five elements. The the back of the sail moved like a flaps on an airplane. So there was more interest in that. Um, I, I did a poll of our sponsors and Basically, that that was what drove everything for me because I had no money. And so American Airlines or Pepsi said, use the hard wing, hard wing it would be. But uh, th- that boat was uh, really no faster than the soft wing uh, sail that we used as a trial horse in the two-boat practice leading up to the, the um, America's Cup. So the reason was not because I liked one or the other. The uh, hard wing was really more difficult because it, it harder to uh, with the logistics involved at the end and repairs, the masts had to come off the boat with a crane. It was more difficult, so it probably would have been better and easier, for sure, easier to sail the soft the soft wing. But for um, other considerations, you know, we had to do what we had to do. Dave wants to know. Well, he says some people complain that they can't relate to the current version of AC boats. Do you think that they help or hurt encouraged interest in sailing? Well, as far as the America's Cup, uh, it might be 50-50. I know there's a lot of new folks that are interested in the technology involved with the foiling and the catamarans and the trimarans. And instead of going uh, 10 knots, they're going 50 knots. And the thrill of uh, seeing people with helmets and uh, laying on their tummies to keep the windies down and uh, chase boats that have four engines to keep up. It's all new and exciting, and it's probably brought some new folks to the to the table from a standpoint of being interested in sailboat racing. But the traditionalists, the, the older folks, uh, my generation, they would prefer to see the cup uh, being raced in monohulls, similar to the IACC boats that we used in uh, uh, Auckland and then on into uh, 
Barcelona and into Spain, they would prefer traditional racing where you had to check the line, check the wind, check the starting line, organize a big crew, all the logistics involved that are not there now. Now it's more, is the computer charged? And do we have the right program in the computer and are all the dials working? But uh, So it's a different game. They could probably sail these boats with uh, three or four people. You don't need eight people. They're just on there so uh, uh, they can see some, some of the folks turning the handles. Gary Jobson would be saying, boy, they really want to win. Boy, they really want to win. Look how fast they're turning those handles. Or in the case of the New Zealanders, pump their legs. So uh, the time could come when literally that boat could sail with two people and be controlled uh, from outside the boat based upon the wind that they saw uh, up the course and, and forecast. And uh, they know exactly how fast the boat should go in 10 knots of wind. It needs to go 37.5 knots at 25 degrees off the wind. That's all done in the program. And then all the helmsman has to do is follow instructions. Very little decisions to make other than keeping up with the rules and staying in the course from a uh, standpoint of, of doing the right thing with the race instructions. So times have changed, folks. Times have changed. So if uh, you want, want to, you have an extra, say, probably could do it for 150 million. If you have an extra 150 million, New Zealand would like to have you compete in the cup. Uh, the uh, New York Yacht Club is going to be uh, very competitive. Terry Hutchinson from the, has done a good job running that uh, campaign. He's good with PR with the members of the Yacht Club and the newsletters. He's good at keeping the uh, members of the of uh, the club involved, and, and that part of it is, is good. But uh, time will tell if it is generally accepted in yachting to uh, be uh, sailing boats that go 50 miles an hour and uh, need a chase boat with four motors to, to keep up with it and wear your helmet in case uh, of, of an accident. So uh, for me, I, I, pre- I would prefer to see the boats back in a traditional mono hull, but I have to have an open mind. You know, we're driving cars with stick shifts uh, across the country 40 years ago, and now it's automatic transmission, and now it's dri- a driverless car. So that, that's where we're headed, folks. Uh, I hope you like it, but uh, it's not for everybody. Good question, Danielle. All right. The next one is from Peter. Uh, he says, this is kind of a complicated question. Why? What thing did you learn when you first started racing that believed to be absolutely true and you decided later it was incorrect? Now, that's a pretty difficult question. Yeah. But I, I would say that the biggest thing, uh, when I was younger, I thought you could win with just pure sailing talent, that if you got out there and uh, checked the line and uh, checked the wind direction and got a good start, you could win. But since then, I've discovered that uh, without a uh, technology, uh, you have no chance. Without the right shape of your foil, uh, you need John Reichel to give you a good uh, keel design, make sure that it fits the the drawings, and uh, make sure your boat and equipment is really ready to go because without out the technology involved in, in preparing your boat with the sails, the electronics, and, and the condition and design of your boat also has to have a good PHRF rating because the, without that, you can't win. So I, it used to be that I thought talent could do it, but talent alone won't cut it now. You have to stay in touch with technology and, and stay up to date. 
We have one last question. It's from Rob. He says, what is your best race? And also, how do you want to be remembered as a yachtsman? Well, I think that for the people in the know, they would tell you that my uh, biggest accomplishment was winning the uh, Star Worlds in Kiel, Germany with a borrowed boat and winning every uh, every race. And so uh, my score had all ones at the end against uh, some very, very tough competition. It'll never happen again and uh, will be looked upon as one of the milestones, certainly in the star class, and if not the uh, sailing history. I think that a lot of people would tell you that it was uh, – very important for us to, go, to uh, lose the cup, uh, not certainly on purpose, and see the cup go to Auckland with a whole new start and then to, uh, correct myself, to Perth with a whole new start. It rejuvenated the America's Cup and when Alan Bond uh, beat, beat us. And then uh, going, putting that program together with the help of uh, some real key people, uh, Mike Dingman and Malin Burnham come to mind, and a great design team and a wonderful crew. We brought that cup home and uh, lunched with the president, a ticker tape up Fifth Avenue uh, put on by the current president, Donald Trump, and all that came with it, the accolades, the uh, cover of Sports Illustrated and Time Magazine. That was all wonderful as well. But uh, nothing really beats that star win. And, uh, of course, an Olympic medal is special, standing on the stand and seeing him play the uh, – and hearing the Star Spangled Anthem is, brings tears to my eyes as we're speaking and uh, something that will never be forgotten. So a lot of uh, wonderful memories. Very good questions, Danielle. You did a really good job. <laughs> and, th- and thank you. And Roger Harrington and the Harrington Brothers at uh, Specialty Produce uh, Broadcasting. The, ne- the network has done a lot of good for not, not locals like myself, but for the local merchants in town. And it certainly helps uh, keep and attract the wonderful customers from specialty. And I know Roger appreciates their help and, and their broadcast here with you and Danielle and on the uh, Specialty Produce Network. So thanks for all you do. Thank you, Dennis. It was great doing this. <laughs>